So Ephesians chapter 2 is where we're going to start um, with answering this final question uh, that we have from our list that, that we'd kind of put together uh, several weeks back at this point. Um, so the question that we're going to be looking at this morning is why don't angels have the opportunity to repent? Um, so what I want to do is I want us to start with the question, do they have the opportunity to repent? And then if we come to the conclusion, no, then we'll ask ourselves uh, that kind of follow-on question, well, why then? Um, So as we look through Scripture, I think this is what we're going to find. Scripture does not specifically speak towards um, the repentance of angels. It gives no evidence um, at all in Scripture that fallen angels, demons, or Satan himself desire to repent at all. Um, I, I would th- so so that's kind of point one that I want us to explore. Or there's kind of three ideas that I want us to to look for this morning as we dig through uh, Scripture. Is that Scripture in fact doesn't provide any evidence that fallen angels or Satan desire repentance at all. Um, the second thing, um, if sin's effect on fallen angels is similar to its effect on man, then they would not seek God at all, right? Scripture says that, that the effect of sin in the heart of, of mankind is that we don't seek after God, right? We're going to look at Romans chapter 3 specifically there. Um, and then uh, the third thing that we're going to see is that repentance is only possible by the work of Christ, and Scripture gives no indication that Christ's work is made available to fallen angels. I would actually go farther than that to say that if we understand the work of Christ in in being made flesh, uh, that we would see that that there's a great divide between uh, the work of Christ as applied to us and how it could ever be applied towards the the angels in the same in the same way. I, I don't think there's any support for that. Um, so there's going to be um, a couple of places that we're going to look in Scripture this morning. Ephesians chapter two. Verses 1 through 10 is going to be one spot. We're going to look in Romans chapter 3, verses uh, 10 through 26. And then we're going to look at two places um, that, that talk essentially to the condemnation of the fallen angels. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4, and Jude uh, verse 6. So if you're not there yet, go ahead and flip with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look um, here at... Uh, here at this scripture, um, where we we're going to get, and like I say, as we like the one thing that I want to come out of this is I want us to have a greater understanding of our own ability, like that that repentance is possible for us should be something that we're in awe of, right? Like I think we have the opposite. I think that we tend to think that it's something that we're owed or deserved. And I think that as we reflect on the state of the fallen angels, right? Like we reflect on um, like their fate, as it were, then that should cause us a, a, a greater like awe that God extended at all grace to us, right? Like when we think about what we find with the angels who have fallen, the angels who have sinned and no repentance, um, may or no grace extended to them, um, instead them being them being cast down. Um, then we should ask ourselves the, the question like, why then us? Why then this? Um, the the answer to that is that it pleased God 
to do what He has done in extending grace towards us. So Ephesians chapter two. Let's look. Let's look here in in verse one. I'm going to read through verse ten. I would say, like this this whole this whole book would be one for you to spend a great deal of time in. But I think there's a lot that we can pull out of. Uh, chapter 2 verses 1 through 10 as we consider um, this this idea of repentance and and why the uh, why the opportunity for repentance is is not there for for fallen angels so uh, Ephesians 2 1 and you were dead in trespasses and sin which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive to gather with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus for grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is the gift of God not a result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them amen like what a what a like this is one of the most one of the most beautiful places in Scripture um, where we see this grace of God poured out uh, to us. So I want us to ask the question: Why is it that we can repent? Right? Right? Who 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 needed to move first for us to be able to believe? Right? Like. What's what's more important, the faith that you have or the the one in whom your faith rests? Right? Like like it's grace alone and faith is the the enabler of this thing. But if it were if you place your faith in a lesser thing, your faith is is only as valuable as the thing in which you place it. Right? So if you place your faith in me or in any other fallible being, then your faith is not it is it is for nothing, right? Like if we place our faith in a God who cannot, then our faith is about as valuable as that. Yet if we place our faith in a God who can't fail, who makes promises and completes those promises, right? That's where the that's where faith finds its foundation, right? So so God is a God who moves, right? So Who's rich in mercy? Verse 4 here. God's rich in mercy. Right? So I want us to, cons- I want us to consider kind of the opening, the opening verses here and the state that we found ourselves in prior to the work of God. And you were what? Verse 1. Dead in trespasses and sin. So what does sin do? Like what's the, what's the result? When sin gives birth, what? Death. Death. Is that... It, 
is it is it the same for all who sin? Us, the fallen angels, right? Do they find themselves in spiritual death? Right? What is the result of sin? Death, right? So how do we come from death, which is the state that we're in? prior to Christ and you were dead in trespasses and sins and now he wasn't talking about you're like your physical body dead in the grave right like this is a spiritual reality he's speaking of here you were spiritually dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Why were we by nature children of wrath? Like, why, why is that? We were dead in sin. Like, sin sin's, has placed us here. Um, the, the, sin of, the sin of Adam pouring forth into all those who came from Adam, right? This is, this is the reality of what sin causes. Sin causes death. Sin does not cause a heart to chase and seek after God. Cannot do that work, right? So if not for God moving, none of us desire God. Do we get that? I think that many times we fail to understand the weight of that. Right? Like we think that had God done, had God not set forward this plan from the beginning that all mankind would have this like longing for God. No. Lesser gods, maybe. Right? Things that, that they could worship, maybe. But not the God who created all realities. Scripture is very clear that He's been rejected from the beginning. Go to, go to the book of Romans, open the, 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 the book up, and, and read. Whether you're a Jew or whether you're not a Jew, whether you've been given the law or you have not known the law, you have, you have, mankind is so far into their sin that they're inventors of sin. Right? Like, when, when given over to what we desire, death, death, and more death. Not once do we seek after the true and living God. We're rebels against Him. This is the result of sin, right? Like, this is the nature that we found ourselves in. And I would say that, the, that, that there's clear evidence is, is here we're following, like, like he's, he's speaking here of, of uh, following the prince of the power of the air. What is this? Who's he speaking of here? This is Satan, right? Like, like we by our nature, by our desires, desire not to follow after God, but to follow after the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, right? So, so we, in our fallen nature, do not desire to chase after God. We desire to chase after the things of Satan, right? So if we're desiring to chase after the things of Satan, what is Satan in the fallen desiring to chase after? Right? Clearly not God, right? Clearly not the things of God. So if we were dead in trespasses and sins, so too would we say that the spiritual, the fallen are dead in sin. 
Right? So, what is our hope for life? Christ alone. Christ alone. Now, here's the here's the couple of things that I think we need to start asking ourselves as we start trying to line up, like or get our mind around, like why is it that I can be saved and why is it that there's no hope for repentance for the angels? So I want us to to start putting together the the realities of salvation for us. Could God just say to you, "No more sin for you," right? Is that is like like once you once you once you were a sinner, like from birth for us, like once sin was present, could God would God be just to just do away? So you're yes, yes. So like let's 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 picture a reality, no Christ. Right? And yet so so in that reality I think scripture would be clear that you would not seek after God. Right? But let's, let's suppose that you did. Right? So now we find ourselves in a reality where that there is no Jesus, there's just a God who wants to forgive, and you've sinned. Can God, can God simply forgive? No. The answer to that is no. Scripture's clear about this as well. When we go over into Romans chapter 3, we're going to see that God, when God overlooked sin, God put the reality of His promises on, on check, right? Like, He had to complete His promises when He overlooked one. Because had He failed in setting, in the promise that He had set forth from the beginning, had He failed, He would not be just. Yes. And if he's not just and he's not holy, like, like when he made the first promise to salvation, for salvation, for the, for fallen mankind, when he made the first promise, he put, he put out there his entire character, because if he failed in, in completing that promise, then he was not God, period. Right? Like, was not. Like, his character was on the line from the very beginning when he started making promises, right? So, so God cannot simply wipe away your sin. There must be, because of his character, a sacrifice, right? So, for us, we know that sacrifice to be who? Like, that's Jesus, right? But for the fallen angels, who? There's not one. Why? Okay, well, why would we say that? Why not? Like, why, why is Jesus good for us, but He couldn't necessarily be good for the, the fallen angels? Because He didn't come in the form of an angel. He did not come in the form of angels. He came in the form of us, right? So that sacrifice that must be paid for us must be paid by us. Right? And when I say us, I don't mean you and I. I mean someone like us. Right? In every way. And tried and tempted in every way. Right? So like, our, our redemption rests on a man and it rests on God and they are one and the same. Right? Like that is the that is the reality of the gospel is that he paid my sin. I am atoned through his work. 
You can't. Repentance is possible for us because He did the work that we could not do. Right? He did not do that work for angels. He did that work for men. For mankind, God made this available. From before He spoke the first word of creation, this was His plan from the very beginning. Right? Christ is the Lamb slain. Right? From the beginning, from before the foundations of the earth were laid, Christ slain on the cross was the plan. As a man and as God. Right? Made available to us. This is why when we see things like verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses. So not when we got better. Not when we changed directions, right? Because we never would have changed directions. But while we were dead in our trespasses, dead men don't seek anything, right? So we can't say that we were seeking God before He came seeking us. Because we were not. Scripture's clear about that. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Right now, I want us to take note of this. Like, like we're gonna we're gonna go uh, farther on, um, where it's gonna say, um, "By grace you have been saved through faith." In verse eight, but when we look at this, you've been made alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Right? He's 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 say he's putting this forth for forth, and he reiterates this reality and 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 puts in through faith um, that it's not of your own doing, right? But I want us to get first and foremost that the work of faith can only come because the work of grace, right? This again is like the God who makes promises, who fulfills promises. That's the one in which we place our faith. Because you could have the strongest faith in the weakest thing and it count for nothing. It's not your faith. It's the one in which you place your faith. Do we get this? Right? That's why your faith, like, this is why the work of faith is not a work. Right? It's because that work would be a weak work if we placed our faith in a weak thing. It's the work of grace made available to us through faith. By grace you have been saved and raised up with Him, seated he's in, and seated us with Him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show immeasurable, show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Why? Is God doing this great work? Why us and not them? Right? Why us and not them? One, He loved us, right? And I would say, I would, I would say that, that that this love that He that He's directing towards us is is a love that I would I would say it's a greater love than any other love that you could explain. Does God love the angels that have not fallen? Absolutely. But He has a love for us that is that is beyond all other um, examples of love in all history, in all reality. And he's, he's doing it. One, He loves us. Two, He's showing something. 
right? Like he's making himself known to the ones that he loves. And to the fallen angels, right? Like I would say that he, that, that the work of that the work of salvation for that God is doing in and for and like that this is that this is to make himself known in a way that that given any other way of doing it he would he could not have made himself known as clearly as he's doing it through the creation that he's done through the 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 decisions that he's made through the reality of the world that he's created now like he's making himself known to us as believers to those who will ultimately rebel in in a final way to the angels who never failed at all and to the angels who fell completely and will never be redeemed. He is making himself known to all. Right? Yeah, it just seems like if you look at the whole situation with angels, you either have one or two angels. One who worship God fully or ones who chose to worship themselves. And then those who worship God only are then used to minister to his yeah, yeah, right? It's so beautiful. Like Hebrews 1 is a beautiful yeah. because it tells, like, you know, the hierarchy, like, how God's plan was to make us higher than the angels. And, yeah. You know, and it's just like that last verse that it says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Right. Like, like think God. about the place that He's, like, like he became like he became us and got a better name, right? Like a name higher than the name of the angels. Like this like like when we call him our brother, like like consider what that means, right? Like he is one of us, right? Like not in like some like halfway type of existence either. Like he is completely human and completely divine right like this is this is an this is a, an unimaginable reality yet it's true scripture speaks to the truth of this and this is why we can enjoy the grace that God has shown to us and he will like like so that verse up, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches what ages when he's speaking in the coming ages, what is he speaking of here? Right? Like, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and the kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. What ages? All ages from this moment forward that will not end when the judgment happens. Walk forward into eternity ten million years. And He will be showing His immeasurable riches and the kindness that He's shown us in Christ. Like the work that He is doing is one that will be talked about by us for eternity. Right? This is a gift, right? Verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is, through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Why is it that we can repent? Why is it that we can believe? Grace has been given to us. A great gift is given when the gospel is presented to, to mankind, right? Like when we preach the gospel, we bring a gift. Like this is such a great gift. It's like gifts, you, you're not owed gifts. 
Right? Like someone gives you a gift because they want, they desire to extend that gift towards you. Right? It's less than that if it's an obligation. Let's be real. Right? Right? Like, like if, it's, if it's an obligated gift, you don't value it as much as a gift that's random. Right? That you're like, where did that came from out of left field? That shows something different than an obligation, right? Like the gift that God extends towards us is not an obligation that He must give, right? He need not give it to any. He desired to give it to us, right? Well, sorry, anniversary. I had to. <laughs> <laughs> right. She still got roses. She ain't got roses. It's not the same effect. <laughs> but if if it comes in and she's like, "Oh, why did you do that?" and he's like, "Because I love you. Yeah, we're celebrating our anniversary and being together." Yeah. That's a different demeanor in that man. It's why it's why it's why everybody just really loves Valentine's Day roses. Right? Like, <laughs> versus roses two weeks before or two weeks after. Like it can't, it's gonna carry a different weight, right? It's like oh, you felt guilty because when you walked through Walmart, there was like five hundred things of roses, and you're like oh yeah, it is Valentine's Day, right? Versus you show up randomly one day with some roses carries a different kind of weight. All the ladies it, say, "Amen." Right? Yes. Yes. Versus simply just the gift in and of itself. Not yes. The, the roses are great, but like the giver of the roses. Yeah. 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 And and God. So yeah, God. Like what you're saying, though. Okay, Christ, the one that is the supreme being, has come here in the flesh. And he comes in and he ushers us in to his holy of holies. He, it's not somebody else bringing you in. He says he seats you. Yeah, yeah. He takes you in and lets you sit down. Yeah, like what a like like what a great. And this is why I say like when we're, when I reflect on the fact that the angels that have fallen are not extended the grace that we're extended. Like, I have a deeper appreciation for that gift. Because in that reality, I see that God needed not extend that to me. Right? Like, do we not feel like... Like, sometimes I feel like that gift, we're ungrateful in some regards. Because we, because we, we feel as though it's owed us, right? And in that reality, like, we do that, that's the same thing that we do when we start trying to shift, like, well, if God doesn't show it to this one, or to this one, or to this one, or to this one, or to this one, what is that? We're saying that that one is owed. Right? And what Scripture seems to present us is that God is not obligated to save anyone. It's not out of obligation that God extends this grace. He need not, and this is, ask the angels that fell, right? 
Like that's in my mind. When I think that I'm obligated to some gift of God, I think, ask the angels that fell, who don't even desire the gift, right? That's where you would be. Believers, hear me in this. Like, without the grace of God, you do not desire the gift of God. This gift that he's speaking of here. You do not. Let's flip to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, we're going to look at verse... uh, We're going to start in verse 10. Actually, I'm going to just go back to verse 9. So this is... uh, Everyone's unrighteous here. He's laid this out... Um, verse 9 what then are the Jews any better off no not at all for we have already charged that both Jews and Gentiles are under sin as it is written no one is righteous no not one no one understands no one seeks for God what is the result of sin is the result of sin that we seek after God no No, it is not that we seek after God. Our nature as fallen beings is not to seek God. Verse 12, all have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. I want want you to hear me in this. No one does good. If a lost person comes to you and says that they are good, they're stealing goodness from God to, to stake that claim. Is a thief good? Is one who would, would steal from another good? All have turned aside. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Through the law comes knowledge of sin. Verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. Okay, so God putting forward Christ as a sacrifice. Here's that. Here's the scripture that you that you go to here. Like, would God be just if He only overlooked sin? He would not be just, right? He would not be just. How do I know this? Because the Bible says this. This is what we're about to read here. Right? This was to show God's righteousness. 
Why does God need to show His righteousness here? It goes on because in His divine forbearance, He passed over former sins. So when He passed over one, how were those in the Old Testament saved? By faith. Through what? Right, so here's why. Let's let's go back and let's think about this. If 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 they were saved only by faith, right? They were saved by faith and by works, just not their own works, right? Like if they placed their faith in a God who made promises, who could not keep His promises, what is their faith worth? So it's not the value or the strength of their faith, but it's the one in which they place their faith, right? Because it, when they laid their, when they closed their eyes for the last time, they had not seen the promise fulfilled. They closed their eyes in faith that the one who made promises would fulfill those promises. Because they had seen him work. Yeah, they'd seen him work. They'd seen the work. They'd seen the yes. promises. Yes. Yes, he made himself known to them and then he continued in making promises to them. But here's the thing, here's the thing. So God's righteousness, Scripture itself says, this is what Scripture's saying here. When we look at that second part of verse 25 there, and we, and we see where it says this was to show God's righteousness, like Scripture is saying here that in the Old Testament, prior to the completion of this promise, one could look... And one could charge God with being unfair or unjust. Like you would show favor to Abraham. Look at how Abraham has failed God in a hundred thousand different ways. What was the difference maker there? Right? Why could God overlook and it count? This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance, He passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at this present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So God is just. How do we know that God is just? Because we see the value, the price that He puts on that justice. Right? Like He did not... We are not sanctified and redeemed through some lesser thing, right? Like, like the sacrifice of goats and rams cannot save you. Their blood was not the thing. It just pointed forward to the thing, right? God put forward His Son to show how serious He is about sin, Right? Like it was his son, blameless, guiltless, who laid himself down as a propitiation for our sin so that God could show himself to be just as well as the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Right? And then he goes on here, what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. By what kind of law? By law of works? No, by law of faith. For we hold that the, that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, do we then throw away the law by this faith? By no means. We uphold the law. So then he goes on, and we're, we're not going to go into this today, 
But he goes on further into giving giving a, a, a hard example uh, of this reality. And who is it that he points to here? He points to Abraham. Um, so as we consider this, as we consider the work of God's grace towards us, um, how, how we see that, that the only way that we could come to Him is through uh, faith in Christ. The only way that we could have faith in Christ is that Christ um, did the work that we could not do. Um, he became like us. He completed the law. Um, he performed the work that we could not perform. And then He put His life... Uh, down in place of ours and he took it up again and in placing our faith in him we are raised up in Christ um, this is a reality that is only available to humanity right like that whole working that God has been working here is this reality is for us there is no equivalent that is extended towards the angels Anywhere in Scripture do we get a, a glimpse of that? There's, n- there's, n- there's none, right? God need not do that, and He chose to take on flesh, right? So we call Him brother. Um, and we'll read. Two, I'm going to read two pl- two places really quickly, and we'll, this will be this will be it. Um, this is this is kind of the reality of of the the state of the angels here. Second Peter chapter two verse four. For if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them into chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. Right. So what did God do with the angels that sinned? He cast them into hell. He committed them into chains of gloomy darkness. Uh, in Jude uh, verse six, we see the same uh, the same truth spoken of. Uh, again, so Jude 6, what's the state of the angels? And the angels um, who did not stay within their own position of authority but left their power, uh, excuse me, left their proper dwelling, he has kept them in eternal, in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Right? So what's the fate of the angels who have fallen? Chains. Chains. Why not us? Only the grace of God. Only the grace of God. When we answer that question. Why not us in chains? It's not because we deserved anything less. It's because the love and grace of God and the plan of God set forward from the beginning was that He would glorify Himself in the work of Christ on the cross. And for eternity, we will marvel in that work. Right? Um... Thank you, Lord, for that. Um, because we, like the angels, were not deserving of it yet. And we will never be angels. We won't. We won't. We won't. I don't want to be an angel. Yeah. Yeah. What greater gift has been extended to us? Praise God. Right? Yeah. Um, so let's, we'll close out and.